When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listen to what West Virginia coach Neil Brown had to say on his weekly teleconference with Big 12 Media. That's coming up right after this. At United Bank, banking means more than financial solutions. It means rallying around the causes that are important to our customers, employees, and communities. While we have grown in size and presence, we have never forgotten our roots. By giving back to our local communities and funding business development, we help fuel economic growth. Our success is your success. Because to us, this is home. United Bank, West Virginia's bank. Member FDIC. Your first question comes from the line of Ryan Pritt of the Charleston Gazette. Hey, Neil. Uh, kind of a two-parter here, but, you know, after that Iowa State game on Saturday, you mentioned both lines of scrimmage being a key in that game, obviously. Your offensive line's pretty young, and we've seen it, it struggle a little bit at times, but the defensive line, that was completely new. Um, you know, now you've had a couple of days to kind of watch film and process it. What, what was the difference up front on that side of the ball? Well, I think the, the teams, the, the bigger teams in our league, um, if you go back and look at a, at a couple of our losses, Texas was able to rush the football. Iowa State was able to rush the football. Oklahoma State was able to rush the football on us. And and those the three things that all those games had in common, we had difficulties tearing off blocks. Um, I, I don't think we played with the, the same aggression um, up front. I don't think we played with very good pad level. I don't think we played with very good technique. Um, and, and really, we're we're physically um, just overpowered um, a lot um, game on Saturday. Was it kind of, of a chain reaction? I mean, you had two tackles for loss after 58 and a half in the prior seven games and no sacks. I mean, it was really kind of uncharacteristic. And from there, was it just kind of a kind of a chain reaction to the second and third levels after that? We just didn't. We never. We didn't establish an edge to our defense, and that's probably something that we've done. Uh, that's one of the major reasons behind our success is we boxed everything in, and we lost our edge. I mean, they, that's where they hit 
a large number of their their runs in the first half were on the edge, and we just did not do a very good job setting the edge. So it all wasn't on the defensive line, even though they didn't play anywhere close to the standard that they that they themselves had established uh, throughout the year. We didn't do a very good job on the perimeter setting edges at our spear or wheel linebacker spot or at the corner position um, of turning any of those outside perimeter runs back into the line, into fields or into our D line. Um, and and so, like most things, defensively it's a cumulative effect. We didn't we didn't play well enough to win versus a quality opponent at any level of our defense. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Your next question comes from of Guerin Emig of the Tulsa World. Yeah. Good morning, Neil. Given everything that you've been through, your kids have been through this year with the virus and, and off the field topics. How do you, uh, assuming that you do, how do you expect to to come out of this this season as as a different coach? You know, I just think that um, personally, it's probably the ability to adapt and change. Um, that's that's what I'm gaining out of this year, probably more than anything, is you have to continually adapt, continually change, um, dealing with outside, you know, whether it's virus, whether it's you know, social unrest, whatever it is, there's been all kinds of outside influences that have, that have changed. How, how do you have to approach, how you have to schedule, all those type of things. So just the ability to adapt and change are probably the, the biggest takeaway at this point. Do you think your relationship with your kids will be any, your players will be any different because of this season? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think any time you go through adversity, you, you grow, a relationship grows. Um Due to some of the restrictions, you're not allowed to spend as much quality time away from the game of football with the players. So I think I think that's that's hurt. That's hurt relationship. You know, I think, but yeah, I think shared sacrifice, things like that, grow. Um, so yeah, I think we'll have some of those. But you know, I ain't had a, I ain't had a player at my house since um, February, or maybe the first week of March. You know, that's. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's unheard of. I mean, that's for you know for my wife and I to not have not have a staff member or, or player at our house. You know, and that's 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 crazy, and it's just part of the world we're we're in right now. Um, but I think it's it's take some of the the chemistry and the relationship piece um, out of it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, sir. No, thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Kevin Kinder of the Blue and Gold News. Coach, at this point in the season, do you start looking at a few more backups to see if they're ready, to see if they are maybe able to help you in the future? And what are the pluses and minuses, you know, of doing those kind of things, you know, obviously when you're still in a competitive year and have a couple games left? No, I think your commitment is to your to your team to put the guys out there that give you the best opportunity to win the game. And that's what we'll do on Saturday. If it's younger players, then we've given, we we're, we're allowing some more younger players to play on special teams. Some of them had some, some did some good things in the game on Saturday. Um, special teams, we we played we played other than a a couple of our punts and, and a missed field goal. We actually played uh, pretty competitive and did some really good things on, in, in special teams. Not that's not the case on offense and defense. But Kevin, we're going to play the best people to give us an opportunity to win the game. Your next question comes from the line of Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman. 
Yeah, Neil, last Monday, I think it was, I asked you about how great this Oklahoma offense is, and Baylor went and shut them down to 260-something total yards. What, what can you learn from what you saw out of Baylor and what they were able to do Saturday night against the Sooners? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. I think that um, the Oklahoma not playing in a, in a couple weeks probably was – there was some of that because they were they were playing at a really really high level. I'm not sure how many guys they had out on offense. I hadn't really researched it to that point yet, um, but I'm sure that had an effect on 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 their output as well. Um, and I thought Baylor did some really good things schematically. And those two guys running the defense over there, they've got they they've had their hand on some on some elite defenses throughout their careers. And so, um, and I think the the nickel that that Baylor has, kid number eight, I think it's Petrie. I think I'm, I'm I'm going off straight memory here. I think he's special. I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna play a lot of he's gonna play a lot of on Sundays, and uh, he 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 made some flashes of some spectacular plays in that game too. I think that had an effect on it. Um, but I, I would, I, I Barry, and you know this, you've been watching them for a long time. They still scored 27 points. They still won the game handedly. Um, and I think I think it'd be awful early to to not say they're pretty they're, that they're pretty sporty on offense still. Thanks, Neil. Right, thanks. Your next question comes to the line of Kirk Bowles of the Austin American Statesman. Hey, Neil. Uh, do you know how many players you've played this year? Like no, I don't. Total number. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I. I can probably get you that. If you go, want to go through mining, he can probably get you that. Um, we have that. Yeah. I just don't have it in front of me right now. And you know how many true freshmen you've played? And you've played almost all of them? we played almost all of them outside of a couple of linemen, yep. Yeah. And I guess that helps moving forward, I guess. Yes. Yeah, and, and yeah. Monty's sitting right here with me. He told me he'd, he'd send that to you, that information. Okay. Okay. Have you even – is it just way too early to talk to – about seniors coming back, any conversations any of them have said, yeah, I'd like to at least talk to you about it. And We've had a couple that have approached me. Basically what we did is um, the first week of that long hiatus we were on, um, well, it was intended to be our bye week. That Monday I just had some conversations initially with seniors and really it was more about planning the original senior day that we were going to have. Um, yeah when the original scheduled Oklahoma game. Mm-hmm. And then and then we'll we'll visit on that next week after the regular season finale. Yeah. Okay. And and, and lastly, Neil, uh recruiting, you know, we got signing day just over a week away. Uh can you just make some sense out of it? What what the country should expect with the you know, no visiting, no being out on on the road. You know, it's it's new and it's different. I don't have clear expectations for it either, Kirk. Honestly, it's uh, most of the guys we're going to sign. We've had we have had on campus uh, before before the uh, the quarantine and lockdown, uh, so we're familiar. Not all of them, though. Not all of them. We tried to do the best we can with what we have, which is virtual and, and those type of things. But um, it's not going to be the same, you know. And I and I'd even I'd, I'd be cautious to even speculate on the positives or negatives of it. And, and lastly, do you think because of that maybe more uh, high school players might just wait till February than normal? 
No, I don't think so. I think you'll see. Yeah. I think most programs, most most student athletes are treating, especially with as many early enrollees as there are. I think you'll see most of them sign in December. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Neil. Uh, thank you. Your next question comes to the line of Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic. Yeah, hi, Neil. Um, just kind of staying on that recruiting subject, um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious what the virtual recruiting has actually been like for, for you and your staff. I mean, I'm sure there's some benefits of, you know, not being on the road constantly, but also obviously the evaluation piece. Um, just what has it actually been like, the pros, the cons, the good, the bad? Well, the, the thing that you're missing, I think the – the dead period has been uh, negative for now. I think it's warranted and it, and it should be in place right now. Um, but I, I hate it for two reasons. I hate it for us as a program and, and college football programs in general, just because you can't do as thorough as an evaluation as you would normally do. And and I'm talking about academic evaluation, character evaluation playing ability evaluation, you know, if you just think about, you know, you're not able to have um, guys in where you can really get a good understanding of how they learn, uh, like in a, in, a, in a meeting room setting, uh, you don't, you're not able to get around a lot of people within their school and find out whether it's teachers or whether it's administrators or whether it's teammates and get a good understanding of what kind of character, how they handle adversity, for an example. And then the playing evaluation is I'm a big believer in live evals, you know, and and not just because you can evaluate talent and those type of things, but also, you know, how do they handle different aspects within practice or, you know, are they the first in line? Um, do they do they uh, challenge their teammates? You know, because you, when you get those live evaluations, you can tell a lot. And then you also, we missed the whole camp setting, you know, and, and how they take coaching and things like that. So it's just the evaluation process has not been the same. And I hate it for the, for the student, potential student athletes, too, because this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience for them, and they're not able to, to, to experience uh, official visit or experience game days in a lot of, in a lot of different. Um, and so I think it, it is what it is. I mean, I think it's it's where we're at right now. It has to be this way. But I think it is. It's a negative for both sides of it. And so virtually what we're trying to do is we got into this world and I guess probably some point in April or May whenever it was deemed legal. And we've gotten better as, as it has gone on. Um, and we try to bring everything that we would normally do in a, you know, an official visit or a junior day setting or whatever it is you know, whether it's a 21-22 prospect, and try to do the best we can with virtually. And we're trying to establish relationships, and I think that's what it's all about. Um, and so we're trying to do the best we have, we can with what we have. And I'm not, it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. Have you, do you feel like you guys have gotten better at figuring out how to bridge that gap virtually and, and connect with people better the longer this has gone on? Yeah, we're getting better at it. Yeah, I think so. It's just like anything else. You get better, you get more, the better, or the more you do it, uh, you figure out what works, what doesn't work. Uh, you learn from others. And, yeah, I, I think definitely we're getting better at it. Um, but it, it still doesn't take the place of in-person. And that was West Virginia coach Neil Brown. The Mountaineers will face Oklahoma on Saturday to conclude the regular season. The game will kick off at noon at Milan Pushkar Stadium and will be televised nationally on ABC. Thanks for listening. 
Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.